0: Hello and welcome to the Get Transformed podcast of Transformation Christian Fellowship. We are so excited that you're tuning in and we hope that you will be empowered and transformed by the word of God. Thank you for your sweet spirit, God. Thank you for your sweet spirit, oh God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. The exalted O oh God. Ooh. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Some of us came in heavy this morning, but I dare you to release that heaviness over to him even now. As he wants to cleanse your heart of all impurities. He wants to make you anew today. Some of you have been holding some things in your heart and God is asking you to release it this morning. So that he can do that new thing in you that you've been praying for. So that he can deliver you out of that bondage that you've been asking to be delivered from. He says, all you got to do is open your hands. Hallelujah. And release it unto me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All glory belongs to you, oh God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, He's a good God. Hallelujah! 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 Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah! Well, good morning, TCF. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's such a blessing to be with you all this morning, to be able to share the word of the Lord as he has given it to me. I pray that you're praying for me as I'm praying with you as well. Um, I just want to get right into the word. I don't want to believe this it, time. I want to give honor to God and I want to thank him for all of his blessings and for bringing me here today with all, uh, all my limbs, all my health, all my strength. I thank him. And Lord, I ask that you just endow me with your spirit. Speak through me even now, God, in the name of Jesus. I bless the Lord for the angel of this house, Pastor B. Let's give God praise for him. Oh, come on. We're talking about the man of God. We can bless the Lord for him. Hallelujah. The visionary of this house. We thank God for him. Hallelujah. And his wife. Bless you, lady. O. hallelujah. We praise God for you, for everybody here. We just thank God. Those of you watching online, we're so excited about what God is doing in this place at TCF. And I thank you for uh, being here with me as I, as I present the word of the Lord. So I'm going to get right into it, if you don't mind. Hallelujah. So the theme of the title of today's message, my message day, is increase my faith. Increase my faith. Somebody say increase my faith. Oh, come on, say it like you mean it. Increase my faith. If you're online, type it in the chat. Increase my faith. Hallelujah. So when we think about faith, we often think of that very familiar scripture, right? Hebrews 11 and 1. Now faith is the confidence of things hoped for and the evidence of what? Things not seen, absolutely. But the faith that I want to talk to you all about today is not necessarily about that same type of faith. Yes, that faith is a part of this message, but I want to look at faith from a different perspective because a lot of times when we look at faith, we look at it from the perspective of what we're believing God to do, right? What we, what we are asking him to do, what we're hoping for, what the, the evidence of things not seen, right? So we're, we're asking God for that. But the faith that I want to deal with today deals with it from a different perspective. So I want to get into it. Um, Let's go to our theme scripture today. I think my theme scripture is coming out of Luke, the 17th chapter. And I'm going to read right through it, and then we're going to get right into the word. So it says this. It says, one day Jesus said to his disciples, I'm starting at verse one, by the way. One day Jesus said to his disciples, there will always be temptations to sin, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting. It would be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to fall into the sea. So watch yourselves. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there is repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, you must forgive. The apostle said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. The Lord answered, if you had the faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. So I want to read that last part again. It says, actually I want to go back to the verse where it says, and the disciples, I mean sorry, and the apostles said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. Amen. 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 So, Today's scripture, we're talking, we're coming out of the book of Luke, and so we, we see here Jesus talking to the disciples about what it means to forgive and what it means to have forgiveness or how we're supposed to go about forgiveness. So a couple of things I wanted to, to clue you into before we get into the deeper part of what I want to talk about today. So the writer of this book is Luke. So Luke is a very uh, special character when we talk about uh, the gospels. Luke was someone who wasn't actually uh, with the disciples, you know, we often think in the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we think of the disciples that walked with Jesus. Luke was not necessarily one that walked with Jesus. Actually, he was a, a sidekick or a partner to Paul. Right. And so Paul was the one that we believe, the theologians believe, is probably the one that converted him to the faith. But Luke uh, was a, a Gentile. He was a Greek. So he had a whole different perspective than some of the other the disciples and the other writers of the Gospels, where he comes from a different perspective of seeing Jesus because he's getting it secondhand almost. He's hearing it through Paul. He's not. He wasn't walking with Jesus. But the very peculiar thing about Luke, Luke was uh, somebody who was very educated and somebody that was very educated at the time wanted to give very the, one of the writers, uh, historical writers, wanted to give a very historically accurate depiction of who Jesus was, right? Because that's what he wanted to do. He to make Jesus in a way human. He wanted to humanize him. He wanted us to understand him from the human perspective. And being that he was Greek of Greek value, his audience that he was speaking to was the Greek audience. And so we understand that the Greeks during that time, they were looking for the ideal man. They were looking for how to become the ideal man. And so again, when we think about Luke and how he's writing and who his audience is, he's trying to talk to the Greek audience about who Jesus was from a humanistic perspective, Jesus as human. So we know Jesus is fully God and fully man. Right. But we in this particular in this situation in the scriptures here in Luke, he's trying to help the audience understand Jesus from a human perspective. He's, in other words, he's trying to make him relatable to us. Right. He's trying to make us relatable. And so when we understand the background of who Luke is and his point and his purpose and the audience he was speaking to, it helps us put in perspective what he's trying to tell us in the scriptures. And so when we look at this scripture again, we come back, Jesus is talking to the disciples. He says, the first thing he starts off with, he says, look, temptation is gonna come. Yeah. And it's gonna try to make you sin. It's gonna try to make you fall out of line of where you're supposed to be and keep you, and keep you out, of, out, of, um, out of order. But you gotta know that. You gotta understand that that's gonna happen. And so again, when we understand he's making, us, he's making it relatable, he's saying, listen, I know and I understand that you're gonna go through some things. You can't help it. Life, as life goes on, and I wanna encourage you today, we're not here to tell you that you are, as a Christian, is gonna be easy. As a Christian, every day is gonna be perfect. Sin is gonna come. It's gonna tempt you. But we have a decision to make. And we don't always make the right decision, but Jesus is here to tell us, listen, I know it's coming. I know it's coming. So that first part, he, he, he starts out saying, listen, I know it's coming, but woe to them that are the, come on, woe, hallelujah, woe to them that are the ones that are con- conducive or creating the opportunity to sin or creating stumbling blocks for other people. So he's saying, listen, I know sin is going to come. You're going to be tempted by it. I know that it's going to happen to you, but I would rather you be on the side of being tempted than being the one tempting. Right. I would rather you be on that side of it than being on the side of tempting, again, making it relatable to us. Listen, there's sometimes when we want to knock somebody out. Right. There's sometimes where we want to make people feel what they made us feel. We want to get inside of their head and make them feel as ugly and nasty as sometimes they treat us. But God is saying, listen, again, listen, I know this world is crazy. I know this situation doesn't make sense and it doesn't make you feel good. But don't be on the same side as that person. Right. Don't don't go don't in other words, don't do tit for tat. It's so easy to do that because you want to make people feel everything that they've made you feel. And she's saying, I don't want you to be on that side because if you go on that side, you're dealing with a whole nother level of trouble. He says, But I know that you're gonna deal with some sin. I know you're gonna deal with some temptation. So he wants us to understand that right off the bat. And then he goes on and he says, if another believer very interesting. He said, another believer. So we're not just talking about people that try to trip us up. We're talking about somebody that relates to us, somebody that's a believer, somebody that's supposed to be giving us, uh, having a similar uh, experience in Christ, right? So he's talking to the believers in this. So I'm talking to you. So I hope that everybody under the sound of my voice is a believer. If not, I pray by the end of this broadcast today that you are a believer. But let me speak to the believers today. He's saying to you guys, listen, if a believer comes to you, first thing he says, he says, rebuke that person. Interesting again, because a lot of times when we think about Christianity and we talk about forgiveness and we talk about how we handle people that do us wrong, we often think that we can't do nothing. We got to be a coward. We got to cower back. But Jesus is saying, listen, I'll give you permission to deal with it. So that's my first point. Deal with the issue. Deal with the issue. But see, there's a way that we have to deal with the issue. It's not just going off and telling somebody off because they did you wrong or they hurt you or they did that. But there is a way that you have to go about it. Why? Because we are believers. There's a difference. There's a reason why Luke pointed that out. Believers, why Jesus said believers, because, listen, if I was still in the world, we all know how that would have went down. Right. Smacking a person down would have been nothing, but we don't have anybody to be accountable to. But once you come into a relationship with Christ, you now have accountability. But Jesus says, listen, you can still deal with the issue. You just can't bop them upside the head this time. You got to deal with them another way. So what way is Jesus asking to, for us to deal with them? He's asking for us to deal with them through love, through love. And so an example of that, we go to Ephesians 4 and 15. It says this. It says, instead, we speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body of the church. So listen, he's saying, listen, when sin and temptation comes, when that person tries to trip you up, create that stumbling block for you that causes that issue that brings offense, deal with it, but deal with it in love. Do it through the maturity of Christ. Do it through that through that place. What the Bible tells us is when when you have art against your brother, go and deal with it. And if you can't deal with it in on one-on-one, then you bring your brother with you. So he's telling us, listen, you don't have to be a coward to the issue. Being a Christian, being a believer doesn't mean that you can't deal with issues, that you can't that you have to sit back and say, Oh, I'm just gonna pray about it. Yes, there's some occasions that require prayer. Let me get that straight. Every situation don't require a conversation because some people can't handle. The capacity to understand what you're bringing to them. But this is why we have to have relationship, because through relationship with Christ, we gain understanding and we have perspective and we have discernment about how to deal with people that come along in our lives. Right. So we always have to deal with it in love. And who is love? God is love. So when we deal with it in love, we're dealing with it in Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's deal with, let's deal with this sin. Sin. Well, he, we see sin here. So are we talking about sin as, you know, when you kill somebody, when you lie, when you do that? No. Sin in this particular scripture is talking about offense. And in fact, this sin is coming from the Greek word that says scandalon. And this that word scandalon means this. It says that stick that springs the trap or the stumbling block. So, or, or what brings offense? So, when we're talking about sin in this particular scripture, we're talking about when people, when believers try to bring something up against you, that bring offense to you. That brings offense, or sets a trap for you to fall. So, we're not just talking about when you do something that, you know, like the Ten Commandments. We're talking about people that intentionally set you up to fall. He says, when they come up against you, guess what you got to do? Not only do you, can you deal with it, but you got to forgive them. You got to forgive them. Now, let's think about that for a minute. Can you think back in your life, somebody that did you dirty? Somebody that was supposed to be your friend, your family member, your loved one, whatever relationship they (laughs) had. Somebody had a reaction to that. I heard it. But can you think back to that situation and how you wanted to handle it, how you wanted to deal with it, and maybe how you did deal with it, out of your own understanding, out of your own will, and what was the end result of that when you dealt with it your way? And did you want to walk in forgiveness towards that person, even if it was something that was, I mean, horrible, I mean, to the core? But Jesus is saying, listen, sin is going to come, temptation is going to come. Don't be on the side of tempting. But when that person comes and they sin against you or they bring offense to you, forgive them. So, not only does he say, Listen, you got to forgive them if they bring offense to you, but he says, if they do it over and over and over, almost like they're it's going to insanity, they're still constantly going back and what They say, Oh, yeah, please forgive me. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. But then they go and do it again. Jesus says to them, Listen, if they come back and they ask for forgiveness again, you got to forgive them. So, I'm in my mind, in my, my natural mind, I'm like, God, you got to be serious. I mean, seriously, at this point, That's insanity, Uh, what the Bible talks about, a reprobate mind when you continue to do something over and over and over again. You expect me, God, to forgive this person when they clearly have shown me that they don't really mean it. They clearly have shown me that they don't care about what they've done, how it affects my life, how it affects my spirit, how it's changed my atmosphere. And when somebody has gone to the point of where they can literally change your atmosphere, there's an issue, there's a problem there that you gotta deal with. And Jesus is saying, you gotta forgive them. And this is why, because when somebody can affect your attitude, you ain't really forgiving them and so when you when you when you come into a place with a person where they ask you when God says you have to forgive them over and over again it's because you have the peace within your heart to know that this issue ain't about me no more I'm just here to make sure that I'm right with God so that's where that place of forgiveness comes in so if we keep going so that was the first form: deal with the issue and forgive and so here's the response where I think my theme my title comes from When Jesus says this to the disciples, if you notice in verse five, in the beginning they were called the disciples. Now, in verse five, they're called the apostles. Now, why would Luke make that distinction in the scripture? Why would he start off calling them the disciples and then go to the apostles at verse five, talking about the same group of people? Well, let's think about what is a disciple, first of all. A disciple is somebody who has been called to relationship with God. We look for a definition of a disciple as somebody that is called to have relationship with God. So when we think about that, all of us are disciples. All of us have been called to have relationship with Christ, right? Right? Do you believe that this morning? If you are a disciple of Christ, all of us should be disciples called to relationship with him. Well, what's the difference with the apostle then? Well, an apostle, if we look at it from this standpoint, there's a couple of different definitions of apostle. But in this uh, particular uh, text, the apostle is talking about one that is called to to lead or called to do a mission or called to do a work. So there's a difference here. So what I'm, so who I'm speaking to this morning is not just a believer, not just a disciple, but you all are going to be apostles today. You all have been called to do a work. Whatever your work is, that's your business but you've been called to do something. God has assigned something to your life. And so here's the reason why Luke calls them the apostles at this point, because now it goes from just having relationship to you being in position because you have assignment. You have assignment in your life. So this is why Jesus is saying to them, listen, you can't just deal with people any type of way. You got to be willing to forgive because now you're in relationship and I have an assignment on your life. And so when you have that type of relationship with Christ, when you have that type of relationship, when you have an assignment, you can't just deal with people any type of way. Just being a pastor, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't all on the pastor to deal with y'all the right way. See, we got this thing twisted. We think we can come at the pastor any type of way because he got to pray for us. He got to talk with us nice. Listen, he's human, too. He gets upset, too. He wants to cuss you out sometimes, too. But because of his assignment... And his relationship with God, he recognizes that he got to deal with you in a different way. Why? Because your soul is at stake. And so we have to have that same tenacity. Even if we're not standing on this pulpit, even if we're just sitting and we're coming and we're laughing and we're hugging on people, that's still your assignment. Your assignment could be releasing joy to somebody, but you have an assignment. And so because you have an assignment, God is requiring a different perspective from you when you deal with people. In your life and in, out around your life. And so, so the apostles now say, well, God, if you want us, if you expect us to respond that way to people that are doing us dirty, that are causing us so much problems, you're going to have to increase our faith. Yeah. So what faith are we talking about? Like I said, we're not talking about necessarily the faith to, for the things that we want, but this faith is increase our faith to deal with the hard stuff to deal with the stuff that we don't want to deal with, to deal with the people that we, want to, we don't want to see no more, to deal with the people that have caused so much pain and anguish in our heart. Lord, increase my faith. So I'm praying and I'm asking you today, will you ask God to increase your faith for the hard things in your life? Will you ask him to increase your faith there? Yo, know, it's easy to ask for the cars and the money and the new job and all those things. And we can have faith for that. Oh, yeah, God, I'm willing to believe you. But are you willing to believe you for that person that, that hurt you when you were young? Are you willing to have faith for forgiveness for that person that called you out of your name, that lied on you, that demeaned your character? Are you willing to have faith to forgive them? To love that family member that did you wrong, that boyfriend that messed you up. Are you willing to have faith? So so they say, Jesus, give us, increase our faith this morning. And so he replied to this, and I'm actually almost done. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. (laughs) But I hope you're getting something out of this. I hope you're getting something out of this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Hallelujah. So they say, "Lord, increase our faith." Cuz we need faith to have faith for the hard things, the hard stuff in our lives. So his his response is this. He says, he says, "If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you." Now again, this is a popular scripture. We've heard it all all our lives. You know, have mustard seed faith, just enough faith, you know, all of that, all of that, right? And so I was reading this, you know, thinking thinking in the same perspective when I first went through it. But then God made me stop when he talked about that mulberry tree. So I said, God, well, why do you single out the mulberry tree? Why is it just a regular tree? Why is it a mulberry tree? So all right, I got the first part. All we need is a little bit of faith. But why... How does that affect the mulberry tree? So I wanted to look up what a mulberry tree and what significance it had, if it was something of custom during that time, if it was something that had some type of spiritual value or whatever. And so when I looked up uh, what the mulberry tree was and and, and the the things about it, a mulberry tree is a, a strong tree. And actually, its roots can grow for up to 600 years. 600 years, and so so when I thought about that, and I went back to the scripture, I say, Okay, if we have faith small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea. So I said, Okay, God, I see. Okay, so what's the revelation in what you're saying there? He's saying, Listen, think about that mulberry tree as that stuff that's deeply rooted in your heart, yeah. wow. that depression that 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 stuff that that seem to be just just deep down in there that you just can't seem to get rid of that issue that problem that person that hurt you so deep that it seems like you when you try to get over it you just can't it's deeply rooted in there and what Jesus is saying to us today this is why you if you if you want the faith to be able to deal with the hard stuff just have a little bit of faith the size of a mustard seed and guess what just that little bit of faith will uproot 600 years of stuff I mean, it could be stuff that would be, be, be coming from your down your line. It may not even be stuff that you personally dealt with. But in your family line, it's been passed down generation to generation to generation. And you just become a conduit of that, of that pain, of that hurt, all that same stuff. But Jesus said today, I am here. And if you will trust me, if you will have the faith, just enough faith the size of a mustard seed, I will not only heal you of that pain, but I'll uproot that stuff and throw it in the sea. And so God is saying to us today, this is why you need to have this faith. And this is why those of you who are called that have been sent to have relationship with me, you can't deal with stuff the same way that that other people deal with it. Because when you have the faith that I give to you, you can reach through anything. You can push through anything. There is nothing that is too hard for God to deal with in your life. So I'm I'm encouraging and I'm challenging you today. Whatever that thing, that one thing, and you know what that thing is. That you've been struggling to let go of, that thing that that person that you've been struggling to forgive, that issue that seems to be coming back up over and over and over again. Will you have the faith today to forgive and let go, so that you can see God in a new way, so that you can see Him in a, in a new in a new experience in your life? Um, so. The faith that we have to have is the type of faith that is just as sure as when we wake up every morning and we trust that our legs are going to work. You know, when we get up out of the bed every day, we just get up, right? We don't, we don't think about it. We don't second guess it. We just expect our legs, our limbs, everything to work because it worked yesterday. So why is it not going to work today? But guess what? That we're fallible. We can mess up. Today could be, I could be standing here today, tomorrow, I could be laying on my back because I'm flesh. But when you work through the power of God, we have assurance in him. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never give up on you. I will never change. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So his faith is sure. It is sure. And so when we understand that when we have faith, it can't be a wavering faith. It has to be the same type of faith, the same faith we have to trust to get up and walk every day. That's the same type of faith we have to have. I I, want to share a quick story. I have two stories, but this is my first one. The first story I want to share is um, a lot of you have noticed that I've lost a few pounds. Amen. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. 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 We thank God for that. Hallelujah. But here's the thing. I I started last year or the last part of last year, 2021, and I made a decision. I said, God, I want to do better in my health. I want to make better decisions so that I can live longer, that I can do more, because the assignment that you have for my life, I know is great. And so because of that, I need to make sure that everything is lining up to be in order to do the will of God for my life. So I started changing my eating habits and all those things at the end of the year last year. And then at the beginning of this year, I said, I'm going to find me a new doctor. I was looking for a specific type of doctor, and I wanted to find him. So I found him. I went to the doctor in February of this year. And... and. uh had my appointment, did all the checkups and all the things, and he, he asked me to do some blood work. Did the blood work, went back to the doctor's office in March, and when I went into the office in March, he came back and looked at the blood work. He said, looking at your blood work, it looks like you have diabetes. Yeah. It looks like you have diabetes. You're, you're, you're diabetic. diabetic." So I was like, okay, all right, so what do we do? So he immediately started to go in and say, we're going to put you on this medicine, we're going to put you on that medicine. We're gonna put... And I said, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Sir. Before we go to this extreme of just put me on all this medicine, is there another way to deal with this, right? And so he didn't want to do it. He, had said, he said, well, I know that you're trying to lose weight, but if we can, you know, pace this for three months and see how you continue to do with that, and then we'll come back and check it. Yeah. So I said, okay, that's what I want to do. Um, and he was skeptical. I could tell. He didn't, he didn't believe that I was going to do it. But I said, that's what I want to do. But here's the part where that faith came in that I just talked about. When I left that office, when I got in my car, I prayed, I said, God, I said, I'm believing you. I didn't say I want to believe. I said, I'm believing you for the faith that when I come back into this office three months from now, that not only will I have my my health be intact, but I will no longer have diabetes. That's what I'm believing. And I believed it to the point where it was like water, like air. I didn't second guess it. I made the statement and I walked in it. And so I began to fulfill my journey. I kept kept trying to change my diet. I got even more stricter with my diet. I started losing weight. The weight started coming down and coming down to the point now where I'm 65 pounds lighter. Now, two weeks ago, I go back to the doctor for my three-month checkup. I go back into the room. The nurse takes my weight and she all that and, and does that. And then the doctor comes around. room. And he's like, "Lavarn, oh, my gosh, you lost so much weight. Oh, my gosh, you did this, you did that. And I said, yeah, I told you I was going to do it. See, you didn't have the faith, but I had the faith to believe that this was going to work because I had intention, I had perspective in my mind that I was going to see God work this out. And so, so the, the nurse also took my blood work at that moment so they could check it in the moment to see where I was. The doctor said, all right, well, let me go check the blood work and I'm going to come back in. I remember my declaration. Right? He comes back in the room. He says, "Lavarn, you're not even in pre-diabetic range anymore. So what am I saying? I'm saying when I put my faith into action and I actually believe it, I don't waver in it. I have the trust to know that God is who he said he was. He would never leave me nor forsake me. And I did not ask amiss. I asked within his will and he, pers- and he gave it to me. So what I'm trying to tell you is that if you really truly have the faith, if you said that God is Lord of your life, if you made him king, if you got, they took the time to have relationship with him, then believe him and his word and what he says to you. His word is sure. See, I didn't go off on my own will. I could have said, I don't care what the doctor says. I'm gonna do what I want. I'm going to eat what I want and God's going to make it better. No, I knew I had to make some decisions that were going to be right in line with God's will for my life. His will for me is to be healthy. So I had to make some changes to be in line with his will and then he will do the rest. And that's what he did. It's because of faith, and I never wavered in my faith. It's the same type of faith it took for me to to move from where I was. I was living in Berryville, West Virginia, and I moved to Charlestown, I mean, sorry, Berryville, Virginia, into Charlestown, West Virginia, and I needed some decisions to be made there, and I said, God, in order for me to make this move and to be right, I need you to do three things for me. I need you to give me a new car, I need you to give me a new job, and I need you to give me an apartment, and within three months, I had all three things. Again, because of my faith, my faith to believe, and so... Again, when we have the type of faith that he's talking about, he says that, you know, have faith the size of mustard seed and it will uproot all those things. So even the things that are hard in our lives, if we have that same tenacity to believe, he will not only uproot it, but he will give us a peace. He will give us joy. He will give us the ability that when that person that hurt you comes into your face, it don't affect you at all. You're unbothered by it, and it doesn't change. You ever been in a space where somebody walks in a room and it just changed your whole dynamic because, they, because of whatever, who they were, they just, they're just nasty, evil? But what Jesus is saying, when you have the type of faith that I'm talking about, you're not even phased. Right. Wow. I don't care who it is. I'm going to share this last story, and then I'm almost done. So this kind of ties in the whole story. So uh, growing up, I had a family member that I was very close to. And uh, this person was, I was so close to this person that um, anytime you saw them somewhere, you would see me. I was always with them. I was always around. I was a little boy, just always with this family member. And then there came a point in time where I had to end up living with this family member because uh, my mother had fallen in some hard times. So I went to go live with this family member until my mom could get back on her feet. And so in the, in the midst of going back into that situation, God, or oh, not God, excuse me. The situation and the love I had for that person had shifted because I saw a different side. This person that I once loved and adored became my abuser. And they abused me physically, emotionally, any way you can think, except for sexually. Thank you, Jesus. They, they abused me. I have scars on my body to this day from the abuse that I went through as a child at the hand of this family member. And it was so bad, me and my little brother, we were going through the same thing, that we didn't tell anybody what was going on because we were scared of that. Guy, that people would split us up and put us into foster care. So we were living through this hell for years. I was I started living there from uh, third grade all the way to seventh grade. It had gotten so bad in seventh grade that I failed seventh grade. That's how bad things were at home. That I had, I, had, I failed seventh grade. And so it just so happens that summer after that seventh grade year, I went to go see one of my family members and we spent some time with my cousins. And my aunt was there and she saw one of the scars on my body and she said. How did that happen to you? And I didn't know what it was then, but I know now it was the Holy Spirit. The whole, something said to me, tell her the truth. And so I told her what had been going on and I told her what had happened and she immediately called my mother and my mother came on and here's the crazy thing about this. My mother had been going through the same thing at the hand of this family member when she was young. So there was a generational thing that was happening in the situation. And let me also add this piece, the same person that was my abuser was the same person that brought me to Christ. Now, how messed up in the mind do you have to be to be around somebody that's showing you Christ, showing you the one that's supposed to love you and supposed to how who God is, but they're the same one that's causing pain. And so when you have all those things in perspective. Again, I told my mother what it had. My mother found out what had happened. And it just so happened that same summer. She was working to get me and my brother back uh, into custody. So she went to court, she got us, she got custody back of us, back for us that fall. And uh, she uh, came to me, uh, we went to the house, came to the house where we were living, and she came to pick us up. And my mother said this thing, and this is where the scripture comes into play. She said, turn around before we leave this place and tell this person that you love them and you appreciate them for keeping you. So in my mind, I'm like, I don't ever want to see this person again. They caused me so much pain. They hurt me so deep to my core, told me I was nothing, told me I would never be nothing. You're going to be just like your mom. You're going to be just like this. You're going to be nothing. You're not going to be worth anything. Filled my mind, filled my heart with so much pain and anguish and depression. And there was still stuff that I had to work through even after leaving there because of the damage that was done to me emotionally in that space. But she said to me to tell that person that you love them and that you appreciate them for keeping you. And so I was obedient, and I turned, and I said that thing to that family member. And immediately I learned what forgiveness was, because the moment that I said those words out of my mouth to that person, everything in them broke. Everything in them broke, and I know it was the Holy Spirit that was dealing with them, because in their mind they were thinking, how can this child turn to me in sincerity in their heart, and say thank you when I've done all this harm to them? And now I understand it's that faith that God gives you to deal with those hard things. And so from that point, when I saw that moment and I began to work through all the other issues, God started to teach me about his love. He started to teach me about faith. He started to teach me about his mercy. He started to teach me about his grace. And he helped me to understand, listen, how much stuff have you done wrong to me that I've forgiven you over and over and over again. How many things have you done intentionally wrong? How many times have you gotten up and said, Lord, I'm about to make this mistake. I'm about to do this thing, but you got to, to forgive me later. We take advantage of God's grace. We take a big risk in thinking that God is going to take care of us when we intentionally go out and do the things that are wrong. That's a risk you're taking because, listen, time is not promised to us. He could take your breath in any moment and you're taking a risk by going out and intentionally sinning against him just because you have a need to do something or or your flesh is doing this. But he's saying, listen, when you have the faith, I can deal with those issues in your heart and it can be uprooted out of your heart and thrown into the sea. And so what am I saying is saying that the same testimony that he's talking about here, I had to live it out in my life. I had to come to understand what that faith meant so that now when I see that same family member, I have no malice in my heart. I have no issues in my heart because I have the peace of God. And why is that? Because I have a relationship with the Father. Jesus Christ showed me who love is. That's why we have to make this word real in our lives. That's why we have to know who he is on a personal level. Don't play with this thing. I'm trying to tell you there's some stuff and some issues that you're dealing with today that if you would only truly allow God into your heart for real. I ain't talking about playing with him. Just saying, God, please help me in this. And then you go back and continue to worry. No, if you say God is who he is, believe him. Do not doubt his word. His word is sure. Whatever you're dealing with today, I don't know who I'm speaking to, whether it's in here or online, whatever that issue, whatever that thing is, and you know what that thing is for you, whatever that thing is, choose to have faith for that hard thing. Choose to have faith and don't doubt God. Get yourself uh, in the word of God and really begin to know his character. Begin to know what he says about you. Begin to know what he says you can have. Begin to understand who other people are and begin to understand that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and evil in high places, right? So even that person that hurt you, they're not really the issue. It's the spirits working behind them. So we have to be able to walk in forgiveness because when we walk in forgiveness and walk in forgiveness the way that God contends it to us, guess what? We're revealing Jesus Christ to them. We're revealing his glory. We're revealing the way that he can move into their heart and change them. See, you don't even know. By you saying I love you to somebody, by you forgiving somebody, and listen, forgiving doesn't mean you got to still keep yourself in place with them. That doesn't mean you got to go back and and, and, and end up in the same way that you were with them. No, forgiving them means that when they come in the room, you have no ill will in your heart towards them, and you only want peace for their life so that they can come to know Jesus Christ the same way that you know him. Because as we are here, as we have relationship with Christ, there is a purpose in our lives and we are here to reveal his glory to other people. And you could be the very one, just like that day when I said thank you to that family member, I saw God move into their heart. It's the same thing he wants to do with your life. So that person that you're not forgiving, you could be the very thing that's keeping them from getting healing, that's keeping them from getting deliverance because you're choosing not to forgive. Doesn't mean you got to go back and live the same way with him. Got to go back and have, uh, you know, if it was a boyfriend that hurt you, you don't have to go back in relationship with him. But you cannot have malice in your heart. Now that you have come to know Christ, you have to have a different perspective. But He's a keeper. He will keep you in perfect peace if your mind is stayed on him. Anybody believe that today? Hallelujah. 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 So I just say these three things. Deal with the issue. Recognize your position. Recognize who you are. And then it doesn't require much, but it yields a lot when you have the faith. It doesn't require much faith, but it yields so much in your life. If you believe that this morning, say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We thank God this morning. Come on, give God praise for the message. Hallelujah. We thank you. Hallelujah. God bless you. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to the Get Transformed podcast. We thank you for your generosity and for listening to the Get Transformed podcast. And remember, transformation starts here.